With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back in on another edition of Brewcast. Luke Giardi along with Chris Castellani here. No Anthony Brew on this version of the Brewcast, but we're going to be giving you a great show regardless. Chris, what's happening, man? Nothing much, dude. Uh, it was a bit, of a bit of a long weekend for, uh, for me. It was in Virginia for most of the weekend. Still got a chance to see Michigan, thankfully. That is, uh, that's one of the perks of being a Michigan fan, and people are going to hate hearing this, is that uh, they're on national TV a lot, and they draw a little, very wide audience. So uh, all the way out in Virginia, we were able to get them on national TV on Fox Sports 1. Uh, but uh, besides that, not, not a whole lot going on, man. What's up with you? Oh, not much, and, and that's funny because Bulls and, and a lot of TVs also like the fact that Michigan – uh, gets that national audience. It was a good weekend, though. You know, it was nice to see what we saw with Michigan uh, against Western. So throughout this episode, we're going to talk about the game a little bit and preview SMU. This might not be as long of an episode as it has been. Again, no Anthony, so it's just going to be me and Chris for this one. But what we saw with Michigan defeating Western Michigan 49-3 to on Saturday what I did like after that first possession, man, I did you think, first of all, before we get into this game, when you were watching that first possession, Shea throws that little out for a first down, and then, I don't know, Michigan reverted back to 2017. Were, were you as worried as I was that this is going to be another year of that nonsense? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I was never worried 
uh, about the game itself, and I, I don't think you were either. Uh, but I was. It was frustrating, and I, I, I don't know what the uh, if there's really any, any explanation for what happened. Uh, I mean, considering how well they played the rest of the game, uh, but yeah, it was weird because that first possession, yeah, you're, it was like 2017 all over again, where you never really had much of a doubt that they were going to lose, uh, but uh, they weren't looking good at all. But then all of a sudden, and, and literally right after that first drive, uh, it, it reverted back to what we saw against some of the weaker teams they played in 2016, which was uh, they, they just they steamrolled them. And uh, it, was, it was good to see. I think really everything that we wanted to happen on Saturday uh, happened. Uh, we, we got to see uh, – we got to see Shea, Shea throw the ball downfield. The running game was better. The defense looked really solid. Um, I, I think maybe one or two things that uh, might have been a bit discouraging, but overall, they did. Uh, you know, I, I, that's one of those pass fail games, and uh, I absolutely give them a pass. They didn't do anything. Uh, wrong in my book, and especially considering how much some of the other teams in the Big Ten struggled, uh, it borders on being uh, an impressive performance by Michigan. Right. We're not going to, you know, do backflips and whatnot. We understand that it's Western Michigan. Like, I get that. But at the same time, when you dominate the teams that you're supposed to dominate, there's there's something good to be said about that. The offense was rolling, the defense was rolling, everything was rolling for Michigan. Like you said, man, 2016, they dominated the teams they were supposed to dominate, and that's what made them a very good team. Last year against Cincinnati, against Air Force, the writing was on the wall for what was going to be happening the rest of the season and their performances against those teams because they let, let them stay close, and they did not let Western Michigan stay close in this one. They put their foot on their neck, and it was game over pretty much from the start. Exactly, yeah. The, there's uh, really no other way to put it, and I don't, uh, I, I don't know how good or bad a team uh, Western is going to be in the MAC. And I mean, at this point, I don't know if it really matters. I mean, Michigan took, uh, they did their job, and they took care of them, and. Uh, a, a commendable performance from that aspect. I mean, they did, like I said, exactly what they were supposed to do. It was it was nice to see Shea be able to kind of open it up a little bit. He made some fantastic throws. Yeah, it, it, they. Uh, once again, two games in, so you don't want to you don't want to say anything too stupid. But I, I mean, when you look at some of the throws that Shea made. I mean, there's like some of the stuff, like the open field throws where Nico Collins is wide open. Okay, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks that can make that throw. Though, we haven't really seen that much in the Harbaugh era or really in the Hoke era at all. Uh, But some of the tighter throws, throws on the run, uh, third down throws, uh, extending plays, extending drives, was really the the impressive thing, and to me, the accuracy uh, it is incredible. In two games now, what's he said? Let me do the math: thirty-two for forty-seven passing. I mean, just just over uh, 
two thirds of his passes have been completed. That's that's fantastic, and uh, no turnovers last week either. So uh, while the yardage might not have been there, and that was mainly just because you know the game was over in the second quarter, and because the running game was so solid, I think uh, seeing Shea slinging it around the field when he was when he was able to, uh, and and checking down every so often. I, I think uh, that is, uh, w- along with the defense, the most exciting thing that I'm looking forward to this season is just seeing how he's going to develop as a player. Yeah, there's something to be said about that too, right, is is this his decision-making. You know, when he was at Ole Miss, obviously the big knock coming in was that, oh, he turns it over a ton. You know, and obviously, Notre Dame played a very good defense against Notre Dame. Western, probably not so much, but his decision-making has been good. Outside of the the one throw against Notre Dame where he was trying to make a play a little bit and he kind of got hit on the throw, his decision-making's been good this year, and I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, and you can. He had the turnover late against Notre Dame on the fumble, but it's hard to really... That was desperation. Yeah, that, mode. that's just trying to make a play or whatever, you know. Yeah, and and it was desperation mode. He was under pressure. Um, I, I think the the only downside of uh, a game like what we what we saw on Saturday is uh, it's the, the issues that Michigan has, and we, we know the offensive line has been, and and I think until proven otherwise, will be an issue. Uh, that offensive line, it, I think you. It was similar to last year, where they had two really dominant performances by two really good running backs, uh, and you want to get excited about it. But then you think back to the fact that they did similar stuff even it, it, late in the year last year. I mean, you look back at uh, Minnesota and Maryland when when both Higdon and Evans were just steamrolling guys. Uh, so the offensive line was good enough. Uh, the running backs made some plays, and Western's terrible. Uh, if if there's one positive that comes out of it, hopefully, uh, it's something they can build off confidence wise. But uh, and, and we got a chance to see some of the backups come in, even if it was in garbage time. Some of the freshmen Anthony talked about last week that might be uh, that he wants to see getting uh, getting some more uh, playing time. And, you know, Harbaugh touched on that in his presser today, actually, that he played, I think, 73 guys on Saturday, which he was obviously ecstatic about because he gets excited over, I don't know, some of the weirdest things that you'll ever see someone get excited about. I mean, it is exciting, but I bet he was, like, super giddy. He got to send 73 guys in. Yeah, and especially for – and I think – probably means more for Harbaugh considering he's a guy who – Often now he he hasn't lately, but has had a reputation in the past of keeping the foot on on the gas. Uh, for him, putting uh, backups and third stringers into a game for Jim Harbaugh, I feel like is a lot different for any other coach. Uh, if you're Dylan McCaffrey or Brandon Peters or whoever quarterback comes in, uh, you're not just going to be handing the ball off. Uh, I mean, you're going to get some reps in, uh, which is a, is another thing I. I Obviously, I think this team is vastly inferior to what they are with Shea Patterson. Uh, if they if they lose him, but I, I 
from what I've seen from Dylan McCaffrey, there's been nothing that makes me think that he's not a cap- a completely capable backup, which I mean, considering we, we really had no quarterbacks last year, uh, is, is a, is a positive sign. Uh, yeah, and let's be honest with ourselves here. Shea's going to be – barring something crazy, Shea's gone next year, and Michigan needs someone to step in and fill that void. And, and Dylan McCaffrey has looked good in his limited, obviously, amount of snaps the last couple of weeks. I guess the thing that really sticks out to me, and, and I'm not sure I haven't seen you know any injury status or I haven't heard the status of Brandon Peters. Harbaugh said he tweaked his knee going into the Notre Dame game. That's why Dylan McCaffrey took over when Shea Patterson went out. But Peters got no snap this past week, while McCaffrey did come in late in that game. At this point, is Brandon Peters ever going to play again for Michigan in a meaningful role, barring something, you know, serious injuries? I I don't know. I, I think I, they, they brought up the knee issue – but I, I've heard I heard multiple accounts as well that McCaffrey was the second string guy before Peters' injury. Uh, oh, I think Nick Baumgartner might have tweeted that. Now I could be wrong, but I thought when he uh, like the week before the Notre Dame game that he tweeted that that McCaffrey was the second string guy and Peters was third. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Peters were to transfer. But at the same time, I think. I, I I think Peters also came out a couple of weeks ago and said he had no intention of transferring. Now that stuff changes, obviously, but uh, I think it's possible we see him playing again. But right now, I think he's kind of behind the eight ball for sure. Yeah, and like we said, Dylan McCaffrey looks good. Obviously, you got Joe Milton uh, coming in. A lot of great things being said about him. Uh, needs to learn the offense a little bit before he ever gets any time. That's what the redshirt year is for. I guess he's got a cannon arm. He's probably going to be sitting behind McCaffrey, you know, as we move forward. It's just, I don't know. And, and Brandon Peters, I don't think he did anything last year necessarily to to kind of give the coaches confidence, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think... <laughs> I think that la- that South Carolina game was really uh, right. kind of a, a backbreaker for him because he was well. By no means was he he looking good. He was improving, and I thought from what I can remember, I felt like the first uh, half plus of the Wisconsin game was was the best he'd been and, and arguably the best that any Michigan quarterback had been to that point uh, in that season. Uh, I think that injury hurt. And then in that South Carolina game, just uh, showing a, a, a complete lack of confidence and, and inability to make any sort of clutch throws, uh, I, I think really hurt them going forward. I think that, uh, when people talk about whether or not bowl games matter, I think that's the lasting image of your season, and I and I think that that has carried over all year, uh, and I think it's kind of it's really put him in a bad spot, whether fair or unfair, uh, it has, and, and I think that's why they made uh, getting Peterson uh, or I'm getting Peterson. I got the two names mixed up. Uh, getting Patterson. Uh, such a, such an important uh, issue in the off season because they if if uh, Peters was would have looked good near the near the stretch at the end of last year 
who who knows if that would have happened, but uh, with things being the way it was, it made uh, getting Shea Patterson a much bigger uh, deal than we had originally anticipated. Couldn't agree more, man, especially on the bowl games, because everyone likes to talk about how bowl games don't matter. Bowl games absolutely do matter. You take a look at when Michigan thumped Florida, Harbaugh's first year, that vaulted them into 2016 and the start that they had in 2016 because of the confidence it gave. Last year, I don't think anyone went into the offseason with any confidence. I think it had to get rebuilt back up, and then it wasn't quite there heading into the Notre Dame game. Yeah, I, I... Uh, I would agree. Uh, I mean, you lose your final three games a year ago um, in all in three games in which you were winning in the second half in all of them. Uh, in in one of them, you were winning big in the second half in that bowl game. Uh, I I think that to a to a certain extent. Now, not against. Right a team like uh, Western, obviously, but to a certain extent, you you, you almost become, you kind of ha- are looking over your shoulder, almost afraid of, of winning or not, not knowing how to win at a certain point, because you, you, when you lose three games where, especially the Ohio state game where they played well for the most part, um, and then just fell apart at the end. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think that, there was a, a, a swagger. Anthony brought this up last week that was lost with this team. Uh, and hopefully with the, with some easy games coming up in their schedule going forward, that they're, they're able to rebuild that before we get to October and, and they go through that, that hellish stretch. So that is, you know, Wisconsin, Penn state, Michigan state. So I want to, sh- I want to shift gears back a little bit. You know, we brought up the offensive line uh, when talking about this Western Michigan game, and obviously offensive line was the talk after the Notre Dame game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and his presser today talked about James Hudson and Jalen Mayfield. You know, obviously starters right now, John Runyon Jr., uh, Juwan Bushel-Beatty, but he said that the, the young offensive tackles starting to make some strides closer to being ready. At what point would it be okay to make that so I, I I guess I don't know the way I exactly want to phrase it but to the point where you can insert these young offensive tackles and not have it hinder your performance because you have to do it sooner rather than later so they can play against an SMU before you hit maybe Wisconsin you know coming up here yeah well I mean I think we're going to start seeing it more and more over these next couple weeks be it and that's that opening drive uh uh, against Western did not help uh, guys like Bushel Beatty's status at all. I mean, they opened, it looked ugly. They were getting penalties. They were making mistakes. Um, I, I think as we, the preseason continues to move forward and uh, the the running backs, I, I've, I never felt were an issue. It still doesn't seem that way. I think they have two really solid running backs uh, to go to. Um, I, I think the, the deeper we get into the preseason, the more we're going to see some of these younger guys. And, uh, that'll be up to the coaches if, if they feel like they've earned a, you know, a, a starting spot or at least more reps with the starting, uh, with the starting backs and starting running, but, or, and the, uh, yeah, with the starting backs and the first string, um, it, 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 it can make a big difference for this team going forward. I mean, absolutely. absolutely. That's kind of goes without saying, I'm not, 
surprising anyone with that take that this offensive line uh, has been needing improvement for the last several years. Uh, they just went up against a team where, you know, they were what on average, like 60 pounds heavier than uh, Western's offensive line, or maybe it was defensive line. I can't remember, but uh, it, and it'll be, it'll be similar when they go up against SMU and uh, as I just talked about with with confidence, I mean those are the games where um, you could start to see some freshmen uh, maybe break out, maybe make some plays. Now it's harder to, I, I think it's much harder to break out as an offensive lineman uh, just because it's not a skill position. But uh, at the same time, this this is where uh, this is kind of where you realize what what your team is going to be going forward who 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 are going to be the best 22 guys that you're going to put on the field every Saturday um, and I think Michigan two games in uh, while they're not there yet is getting much closer to discovering who those 22 guys are yeah and I think they're starting to find an identity a little bit obviously they had 308 rushing yards against Western what does that tell you I don't know you know we saw it last year you know when they ran all over Minnesota um, but that that's not who Michigan was in the big games, you know, so that's why I don't think the rushing really tells you much. I don't think there's much to find out about the offense. What I did like was that on the defensive side of the ball, it was again, you know, even that first drive that they, they gave up a couple plays to Western before they finally settled in, uh, similar, at least they didn't give up, you know, 14 points right off the bat in the first yeah. two drives. But, uh, the defense, you know, found their stride a little earlier this game, obviously, against Western Michigan. That's probably going to happen. But then they were dominant when this when they find their stride and they find what they need to do to be dominant. They're dominant mostly for the rest of the game. And I, I think that's a good sign moving forward. I agree. And do you f- agree with me that, well, the defense, you know, uh, Minus those first two really bad drives against Notre Dame and a couple of dumb penalties and 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 third down conversions, uh, that they have looked really good. But do you agree with me that they're they're still far from reaching uh, the potential uh, that has kind of been set for them? You know the expectations that have been set and and. and I like. I don't think they're yet to even come close to looking like the defense we saw, say, during the Florida game last year. Uh, right. I I agree a hundred percent with you. Actually, it's it's weird, right? Like we they returned ten of eleven starters, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, not having Mo Hurst uh, is is obviously a big thing, but also so is not having Aubrey uh, Solomon. Right now, I think that that's that's a big part of the, amongst that defensive line because last year it seemed like Winovich and Gary could kind of roam free because Mo Hurst was taking up so much space in the middle and getting penetration from the interior there. And you know, if you've been you know in our you know Maze of Bruce slack room chats, a lot of people have been kind of throwing out the idea that maybe Rashawn Gary, you know, in the time being that Solomon's not able to play, could be a defensive tackle. And I, I've been thinking about it I was at first I was like no it's a ridiculous idea but then I you know started thinking about it and Michigan it seems like they're missing that interior push right yeah yeah I, I've noticed that I think I it seemed to me like there's uh we're they're coming close we're seeing a lot of pressure we're seeing a lot of quarterback hurries uh, a lot of uh, rushed throws we haven't seen the, the major uh 
yardage losses on certain plays. We haven't seen, uh, you know, a ton of sacks. We got a few last week, but I, I think, uh, I still think this defense is still going to hit their, still yet to hit their stride. And no uh, doubt. when they do, uh, I think it's going to be uh, pretty scary. I also have to ask you, because uh, maybe I'm just, you know, revisionist history on last year. You know, the big deal was made about all the weight that was put on. And, you know, it really showed when, like, Devin Bush, he he met Bellamy on that fourth and one, filled the hole. And Bush had no momentum and just stuck Bellamy, you know, and, and that was nice. But does this defense seem slower? Does it feel like they have a little less speed than they did last year? Or is that just me? I think it might seem like it, but I don't know if it's necessarily true. I think that we just haven't seen the big Fair. play yet uh, to make us uh, that have convinced us, you know, how, how good this defense or that has shown us how good we know this defense actually is. Um, but I, I they'll get there. Um, uh, I get what you're saying. I've, I've even felt that way. But I think also kind of we have in the back of our heads too just how out of place and how weird uh, those first two drives against Notre Dame were, and I think we're kind of holding that uh, against them, and rightfully so. I mean, that that they did not look good in those first two drives against ND. They kind of screwed themselves. Uh, and I think it's going to be a few games uh, worth of – it's going to take a few games worth of dominant defense before we we kind of look past that, but um, they'll get there. I mean, that's that's just – that's really not something I'm worried about, but it, it is something worth talking about that. Yeah. They, they seem fine. If not, maybe, maybe just a little bit off, maybe not quite in sync yet, but still uh, as talented as, as any uh, defensive group of the big 10, arguably the entire country. Right. And, and we saw it in the second half against Notre Dame. I, a lot of people are saying Notre Dame, I don't know, took their foot off the gas in the second half. Have you seen that? You know, they're saying Notre Dame, oh, they were, they just knew that Michigan's offense couldn't do anything, so they weren't even trying. Notre Dame was 100% trying to score and get some first downs, and Michigan's defense was not allowing that to happen. And I think they found a bit of a stride. That second half against Notre Dame, against that offense of Notre Dame, is what, you know, they can be even better than that. But even that is probably top three in the country, that performance in the second half against ND. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't really add much more to that. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I think they're going to get to, and we're going to see sustained performance at some point. You know, uh, I like these next couple of games just to get it back under their belt. A lot of emotion in that Notre Dame game. Finally, the first home game against Western Michigan. Now you got SMU, who just got the brakes beat off them by TCU. By the way, TCU is a huge dog uh, to Ohio State coming up this week, the number 16th ranked team in the country. Well, the, um, the first half of that game was actually fairly close. Yeah, well, that's that's fair. It was 14-12 at halftime. Yeah, um, and it took, it took TCU a while. Uh, to really get uh, get their footing, but um, yeah, I know. I, I, I at the same time, I mean, Ohio State always has a huge fan base, a huge draw uh, in with the in Vegas with the odds and betting. I mean, I'm not super into that stuff, but 
Um, it's the same. It's the same with Michigan, and I think it's Michigan's right. thirty-five and a half this weekend. Uh, yeah, big uh, big favorites against SMU. Yeah, and, and you know, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they covered that. Um, I, I think, I, I think we're going to see more of we're going to see more of the same. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see SMU putting up any sort of fight. Um, they Is, might might not seem as out outmatched as Western was, but it'll be close. I guess the question is, you know, going into this SMU game, is there anything that we can learn about Michigan this week? Uh, just, just trying to, con- I mean, we, the only things I think we can learn would be bad things. <laughs> Learning. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, I mean, if they go out and struggle to run the ball, we'll learn, well, once again, this offensive line sucks. Uh, I, I don't think there's any – the only position where I could maybe see us learning something uh, would be the wide receiver position. I think, obviously, they got the monkey off their back last week with the you know receivers catching two touchdowns. Um, I, I think if we could see Shea spread the wealth a little bit more, uh, if possible. I mean, he only attempted 17 passes. He completed 12, which is very accurate, but still it's hard to, it's hard to distribute the ball to a lot of different receivers at that point. Uh, I, I'd like to see guys like Donathan Peoples-Jones get a little bit more in the mix. Uh, actually, well, I, no, that's right. He did have a touchdown. I'm sorry. I was getting him confused. He had a mm-hmm. touchdown last week, but still, I, it, uh, maybe some of the younger uh, receivers get in the mix and see how, how good this receiving core is and how good they can be. Obviously, uh, they're they're in a tough spot with Tariq Black being out. But one one other positive thing I forgot to bring up, in these first two weeks – no drops uh, that That's I can remember. huge. That's Very, huge. Which and that was something they they struggled with a bit last year. Now, obviously, the the quarterback situation uh, didn't help them any, but there were uh, they they had a, quite a few drop passes last year, and I don't recall any so far this season. I mean, they only have thrown what I mean, uh, fifteen incompletions. So. Uh, it's hard to have that many drops, but still, I, I think that they've caught everything uh, that's you know been, been within reason of being caught, and uh, it, and I think that that's a major major plus. I think it shows confidence growing in this receiving core. So as far as learning things this week, I I I, I don't think we'll learn anything new, but I think there'll be more things that are that'll be reinforced. I guess. Well, yeah, one thing going to the receivers real quick, uh, the emergence also of Nico Collins as the big play guy. You need ability to stretch the defense, and seeing him being able to do that two weeks in a row I think is huge, especially to garner his confidence and the confidence in the offense that they're able to take shots like that and a quarterback that's not going to overthrow him by 15 yards. Exactly. So that was nice to see. Speaking of the receivers, though, man, look, I'm a huge DPJ guy. I'm a huge DPJ guy. Love Donovan Peoples-Jones. At, at what point are can he just not be the punt returner anymore? I know he excelled at it in high school, but this continues to be a thing. Fumbled it uh, against Western. He got it back, I understand. But his miscues in the punting game have been looming last year and the two games this year. 
I think I feel like the the kind of keyword in in this uh, episode is confidence, and he's another guy I think who uh, has just uh, has just kind of lost belief in himself as far as the punt return game goes. I mean, he had did he have a kick or a punt return for a touchdown early last season? Last year he did have a punt return for a touchdown. I think it came against Air Force. It was. Yeah. Okay, but that but since then, uh, I mean, the miscues are are bad enough, obviously, but there's been multiple times it seems to me where he could have had a return, but he's chosen for a fair catch, uh, and that's that to me is where the confidence issue comes in. I think uh, I think he'll st- I think he'll stick with him for the time being. Because uh, because of his upside, and because we have seen him in small doses be all be all right returning punts, but um, if the miscues continue and the drop punts continue and the turnovers continue, uh, he won't. Uh, yeah, he won't be there d- doing that for much longer. I've just got this like looming feeling that in a big game, whether it be you know Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, that something bad's going to happen that's going to turn the tide of the, of a game and I, I feel like it's going to have something to do with punts and it might not even be DPJ like muffet a punt or anything like that but it might be like last year when he he struggled to yell to his blockers to get out of the way and it hits them and it's a fumble and all of a sudden it's a free possession for someone. I think that happened in the Cincinnati game when they were up 14 nothing. really turned the tide of that one. Cincinnati was able to hang in there a little bit. I, I just have that looming feeling something like that's going to happen, and, and especially with a guy like Ambry Thomas who returned that kick against Notre Dame. You got him there, and if you need to make the move, at least you know you can make the move, you know? No, I agree, yeah. So moving forward, we got SMU this Saturday. Uh, again, not much we can add to it. Michigan should win this one going away. I am excited to see the defense, though. Like you said, uh, TCU got off to a bit of a slow start. They were down 9 nothing at the end of the first quarter in that game before TCU was able to blow it out in the second half. If Michigan's able to come out and, and really stick it to SMU right away, kind of like they were about Western, I'm... I'm going to keep gaining confidence in this team. It's not about winning these games. It's about dominating the teams that you absolutely should. If Michigan comes out and they continue to dominate, hopefully get guys like James James Hudson um, and Mayfield in there uh, as offensive tackles, trying to just see what they can do because then you got Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, at which I mean, and that's before before we end the episode. I kind of want to talk about that for a little bit about uh, uh, just this week with the Big Ten as a whole, if it means anything. Because uh, I mean, obviously, Nebraska's you know it's it's a name. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a conference game, but at the same time, um, I, I'm a, a lot of people. Make uh, like to declare a conference or a team back after bowl season, and while I think bowl games are important, a lot of that stu- a lot of the results in that game are about matchup or in that in bowl season are about matchups, and it's not uh, it, exactly indicative of how strong a conference is. Um, do, do, so, just kind of switching gears to that, I, the Big Ten struggled mightily this week. And do you think that 
bodes well for Michigan going forward? Do you think that it's a fluke? Uh, or do you think that maybe it's it's a negative for Michigan because perhaps it means maybe they're not that good either? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I thought about that a little bit today is that uh, the Big Ten has struggled these first two weeks. I mean, you take a look at Michigan State needing a late touchdown to beat Utah State, losing on the road to Arizona State. Then you got Penn State who needed overtime to beat Appalachian and struggled with Pittsburgh you know, for the first half before finally yeah. finding a gear there. And then Part you had, you had because Pittsburgh is fucking awful, dude. <laughs> dude they're so bad. They, they did. I, I mean, I, I had to, that was a game I had to switch off the, in the first half, what they had, what, like what a safety, um, uh, a dropped extra points. Uh, like I, I can't, I can't hear a, if not a pick six, something close to it. Yeah. They looked, Awful. Ultimately, ultimately, it turned into an impressive performance by Penn State. I mean, fifty-one yeah. to six on the road is is good, but yeah, but even even then, there was still that there's still that that but you know the kind of the kind of go that's strange. Well, it, was, for, it was close to the first half. Like it, it was it was a very good game. And then Narduzzi somehow some way he's got it fourth and goal from the three decides to go for it and he got a fourth and three and yeah. And just and ran he it jumbled. off. He, he jumbled the line and tried to run off the right guard. I mean, I think they lost yards on it. I was like, holy what? Pat Nardu- I, I'm glad Pat Narduzzi is no longer the defensive coordinator at Michigan State, but there's no way he's going to be able to hold on to that job that much longer with decisions like that. Sure as hell doesn't look like it, yeah. Uh, so, so, But I, I agree. Back to your uh, original point there. I, I think it's good, though, moving forward, because Wisconsin, even they had a little bit of a scare with New Mexico. That could have just been, you know, oh, second yeah, week yeah. blues or whatever, you know. But Michigan, I understand. they, I, But I feel like they look like, outside of Ohio State, probably the second best team in the Big Ten East right now, even with the one-and-one record and the loss in order to uh yeah, I mean some of that's kind of by, by default, but still, I, I right, would right, I would right. I would agree with you. Um, and and it's still early. Teams will turn it around. Uh, Michigan State looked terrible on Saturday. I I mean it, I felt like I was I was having to to be be the messenger because I had a bunch of family members I was with over the over the weekend, and a lot of them didn't stay up to watch watch the whole thing, and I did. And I was having to wake up the next day just telling people, like, guys, you don't understand. They looked horrible. I mean, they looked really – because Arizona State's no good. I mean, they, they spent two-thirds of the game just throwing passes 20 yards over people's heads. And, and, and I mean, MSU will be fine. What's weird about the D'Antonio era is that I don't think I've – I've seen Michigan State play good football probably like five times. All the other times, they, they play like garbage, they narrowly escape, and you think, God, this this is a five-win team, and then they'll like go to the horseshoe and win. It, very strange, uh, but and I'm sure this year will be more of the same, but um, they, they have some glaring issues that, not to look too far ahead, I think bode well for when they, for when they do play Michigan. For instance, I don't think the secondary is very good. Um, the play calling in the red zone is horrible. Um, uh, their, not, off, their offensive and defensive lines are not good at all, especially that offensive line. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Um, so, I mean, that's that's down the road. A lot of things change, especially with, with Izzo's team – or Izzo's, <laughs> wrong <laughs> season. Especially with D'Antonio's teams. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that – there's if I'm Michigan, there there is a certain amount of confidence or uh, or that I'm taking out of this week, knowing that you know I mean Michigan had uh, I I mean I don't like to use this term, but they kind of use they use their mulligan against Notre Dame, and uh, I think it's good to know that there's that the other teams in the Big Ten are are, are using theirs. Like I I come into this every time, and I want to give every show and every bit of analysis that I do with 100% objectivity. And I know I'm going to sound, you know, like a deranged fan or a homer or something like that, but the Notre Dame game might've been the best thing to happen to this team. Honestly, it might've been, you know, opening season on the road, hostile environment. You had a chance to win late. You didn't. Okay. You move on kind of like, you know, Ohio State when they lost to Virginia Tech a couple years ago and they ended up winning the national championship that year. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the Cardale year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it happens, you know, but Michigan learned a lot about itself in South Bend on that night, you know, and I think they're going to continue to build on that building block. You know, whether they win or lose, uh, it's probably the same building block. It would have been nice to win, yes, but at the same time, they know what they can't do if they want to win in a hostile environment like that. I really think it's going to help them moving forward. I mean, I hope so. I, they, 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 unfortunately, you know, you losing early, it, it, it puts you in a tough spot, but losing early is a heck of a lot better than losing late. And, uh, well, they're, they're going to have a, a really tough, a really steep hill to climb. Um, at least they have a hill at all. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So we'll have to see, you know, moving forward. Like we said, it's going to be a little uh, shortened show here today, though. We we did get quite a bit in. So yeah, forty right minutes. Then. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good, especially with uh, just the two of us. No, Anthony here today. Um, but he'll be back next week, and hopefully, we'll be talking about another win. He is Chris Castellani. Chris, where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That is at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I. Post-game videos after every Detroit Tigers game, including uh, and also, actually, also uh, after every postseason baseball game coming up this October. Also videos on occasion after Michigan football and basketball games. Sports all the time, movies all the time. You guys, you guys will love it. Check me out on the Twittersphere. And you can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure to go follow. Also, follow the show page. We do a little tweeting during the games and whatnot, keeping you up to date on latest episodes at Brewcast Show. And, of course, make sure to follow the Mesa Brew Twitter feed and check out mazabrew.com quite a bit. And so for Chris, I'm Luke. No, Anthony. We'll see him next week. But it's been a fun Brewcast, and we will see you next week. 